Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Arusi. And I'm Jason Arusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. All right, and welcome back to the Jason and Peely Project. We are super excited for today's conversation. It's going to be super interesting to dive in on this topic. It's It's been completely outside of what we've spoken about on over 800 episodes now, but it really ties into the message that, that we bring to you through so many interviews and through our daily conversations with you. But we have Dr. Paul S. Anderson on the show. Hey, Dr. Paul, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And a little bit more about Dr. Anderson. He is, he is a recognized educator and clinician in integrative and naturopathic medicine with a focus on complex, infectious, chronic, and oncologic illness. And that's a mouthful. So we're going to dive into where that goes. In addition to three decades of clinical experience, he was also head of the interventional arm of a U.S. NIH-funded human research trial using IV and integrative therapies in cancer patients. And a little bit more here is that, so he believes the tool to cure cancer is that most overlooked and underutilized is the brain and a national educator and clinician who have decades of experience with cancer and has released his best-selling book, Cancer, The Journey from Diagnosis to Empowerment. So Dr. Anderson, I'm just so curious here. So many times we, we find that, that something like cancer is something that just comes upon us, right? It's, it's something that happens to us. And without our control or without our ability to, to really impact that, right? And so there, there's other ways, you know, that, that cancer can come from some of our poor activities. But sometimes someone will get lung cancer who's never smoked or something that part and never been around someone who smoked. And with your thought process here today is that we can actually change or, or adapt our, our bodies um, from really just a mental state. Can you talk to this and explain a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so just as a, a little bit of background and a way to frame that discussion, which I think is the real core of, of why I wrote this particular book, um, my, in my background working with cancer patients and, and many of them over all of these years, I, I was very focused on, you know, the things that we think of with cancer care, which are, you know, treatments and, and uh, also, you know, integrative cancer therapies and all these other things that you do, you know, with your body or to your body. And what really triggered me to get into this other side of cancer, meaning the mind and body connection to it, was watching people over time and you'd have, as you said, you know, you get people who never smoked and they get lung cancer, et cetera. Um, Well, the same thing happens with, you can have two people with the exact same type of cancer, very aggressive, let's say, and, you know, not great odds uh, for survival. And yet they choose different ways of engaging the mental, emotional part of their self in their, uh, in their dealing with their cancer. So they might do the exact same therapies and you know all the all other variables will be the same. And what I noticed over and over through the years was there was a definite difference in quality of life and usually quantity of life 
in the people who decided to um, not uh, not go down the road many of us just naturally do, which is, oh, I have cancer and I'm a victim of of cancer. But instead, they decided, well, that may be, you know, I, I have cancer. I can't maybe do something about that right now. But I can be an empowered patient, and I can um, not only make my own decisions, but uh, but really dictate how my mind and my body are going to accept what I'm doing uh, for for that. So that's if you go like to the hub of the idea around which I wrote the book, it's seeing that over and over and over. Um, and you know, I I always start out by saying I don't want to. You don't want to blame somebody, you know, for saying, "Well, you thought wrong, so you obviously got cancer because you thought wrong." That's that's not the point of it. The point is, we all get dealt the hand. We get, regardless of what you know, what what health or lack of health we have, but the way we engage our mind and body connection is a huge um, predictor of how our body physically and our health will respond. So that's, that's kind of where all that comes from. So what would be an example of, of something that the, the candidate with the positive results would do to impact their journey that potentially what most would align with cancer with the other patient would be, well, I have this cancer and of course now here I am and I'm gonna have to deal with it, right? What would be something as an example that that person would do from a mind or spiritual level? Yes, the um, the biggest things that that I saw that really, uh, you know, all humans kind of process in in a in an order when they get a real disturbing diagnosis or news or, or a loss, you know, et cetera. Um, and the easiest for people to kind of tie into because most people have heard them is the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. You know, which you start out with, you know, denial, and then you move through, and you might be angry, and you might do these other things. Um, the reason that I think that construct is good is because it's it's just part of the human experience. And so the counterpoint uh, of, you know, the person who does not move towards empowerment, the person who does, is the person who um, gets stuck will generally, just because of our human nature and nobody wants to have cancer, nobody wants to get that diagnosis, they get stuck somewhere in there. It might be denial. It's often anger. Um, it might be bargaining. It might be all sorts of stuff. But it's it's um, uh, it's not a place of being empowered and being above your problem. The person who moves towards an empowered place and position realizes that they got the same, you know, unfortunate. This really sucks. Diagnosis as all the other people with cancer. And they realize that it's okay to, you know, be in disbelief. It's okay to be angry about it. It's okay to do whatever, but they do do the work to get themselves past that. And so they are, you know, come what may with their, their health and their diagnosis, they're actually looking at it as they're in charge of this new phase of their life. It's not something being done to them. And that's a, you know, some people it's easier to process things and, and some it's harder but that is a tough journey for people to get through. But, um, and I do bring up in the book, I, I bring up there, are, there's research around empowerment and uh, outcomes and empowerment and, you know, less pain and all sorts of good medical data. Um, but a lot of, 
a, a lot of times people aren't even made aware that this is a possible process you can do and get to this empowered place. And uh, they're not aware that it actually does impact not only your health, but, you know, a lot of other parameters. Is there any study showing that this could be used to potentially prevent having to get to the stage of having <clears throat> to put this into work? You know, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of work done around that in the world of uh, epigenetics, which are, what I was tell people is your genes are the code and epigenetics are everything that affects your genes and turns on and off, you know, good signals and bad signals and all of that. So epigenetics are things that you have a large amount of control over, including the way you think and the mind body connection. So there's a lot of research that shows that that external, if you want to think of it that way, that external force of uh, the way that you set your mind and the way that you think about things actually does have an outcome on uh, on either health or disease. Now, it's it's really tough to do, especially in humans, a study where you would say, you, you know, we're going to take these, you know, group of people for X number of years and have them do mind-body stuff and these other people not and see who gets cancer and how much it is. So it's not like that direct sort of data, but there is a lot of, there's a lot of scientific basis for this. And and a lot of it goes back to most people have heard of the placebo effect um, where, you know, you believe something is, is going to happen because of something you took or something that was done to you, et cetera. And, uh, and you can actually make the symptoms of something and you can create a disease where it wasn't there before because, you know, because of the nocebo or placebo effect. Um, so we definitely know that that works. And, and I think that, you know, we, with with the exception of there, there are some cancers that, uh, you know, children are born with that obviously you can't, you know, that's sort of the way that is. Um, but there probably are a, a great number of illnesses and cancers as a subset of that, that come from chronic repetitive trauma uh, that are not dealt with. Uh, you know, in a, in a healthy sort of manner, which is very hard to do, but if you don't deal with it, it, it does that. I mean, I've seen so many people where, you know, they were in a very stressful situation that maybe their partner was ill for a number of years and their partner passes away eventually. And then, you know, a year later they have two kinds of cancer and it's, it's very common that these big stressors do lead to, um, you know, ill health. Wow. And so really just the impact of your nature and the stress that what you see around, you can really draw dramatic effects to you and in your body. When you, when you do find out that you have cancer, is there some, is it more beneficial that this message is, is relayed to you? Just the, the potential impact on, on having a positive mindset going into this by, by someone outside um, of your general network or do you find that it's most appropriate that this person or a person who, uh, who has cancer needs to ultimately come to this realization themselves? Is there any separation between the two? Mm. You know, I think in my experience with, with people over time, it's, it's a little of both and it depends a bit on your personality. Um, for example, there are some people who, 
that's just the way they're wired is to move towards being empowered because they're not going to be a victim and they're they have the kind of the muscles the mental muscles to do that um most people though if you think about it like probably the last thing you want to hear is from you know your doctor you have cancer and you know after that you sort of lose track of everything so most of the time it's it my, in an ideal world, it would be part of that initial phase of you, we found cancer in your body. Mm. Uh, here's what we're going to do about it. Here's some resources, but here's what you need to start working on, uh, on the inside. And then, you know, at that point, then it's up to the person. Uh, and I tell some stories about different patients kind of to give, you know, some flesh on this, but, um, the idea from there is we're all going to be shocked. I mean, that's, that's normal. That's human. We're all going to be maybe upset about it or whatever. The big point is, you know, there's a process you can go through to get out of that hole. And some people, like I said, don't need a lot of help doing that. Other people need, you know, literal baby steps to, you know, move from uh, this, this does not make me feel good. I'm kind of angry about it and I'm, I don't want to have cancer to, okay, whatever problems going on in my body, I can be, I can be in charge of it. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of what I put in the book is more of just those, how do we find these baby steps? How do we move from A to Z? But I, I would, um, and you know, it's, it's, I do want to say it's not in, you know, Western medicine that we don't know that this goes on. It's just that the medical system is set up when you have cancer to put all the effort and resources into treatments and diagnosis and you know these things are important we really need to put you know an equal amount of resource into you and your mind and and helping you connect with your body and work through these things early in the process you know not waiting until we've prioritized all this other stuff so it's you know it's very individually dependent but i think it needs to be both your own mind and your decision to do it and then you need the support of uh, people who can help you, who know how to help you on the journey. What would be some examples of baby steps taken when you first find out of the diagnosis? Yeah, so the really the first thing, uh, and, and this is something I, I return to a lot in the book, is uh, you know anything that you're feeling is is okay as soon as you start thinking that you're not feeling something that's okay, um, you, you can get stuck there and it's, it's sort of a negative baby step. Um, but what, what I usually recommend to people is that you do need to honor that you, you need time to process the shock or the grief or whatever way you're handling it. And you need to know that you are going to have some disbelief. You are going to have some anger. You are going to do some bargaining, and that's all normal, but you need to keep moving forward. And normally what, what happens as we go along in these baby steps is are <clears throat> some of us uh, may be very, you know, well uh, accustomed to our own thought processes. And we may know, yeah, you know, I tend to get angry when I get bad news or I tend to, you know, I tend to be in denial or I tend to do whatever. And we can move past that. But then we might hit another step where we're trying to move forward and we um, we really get trapped and it's kind of a you know common uh, a common trap for us. 
for some people, I'll just, this is just an example. This is not everybody, but it's a common example. For some people, this is actually our relationships from the outside. And I, I, I describe it in the book as, uh, you know, other people can be either poison or medicine to us when we're ill. Yeah. And a lot of people unwittingly have relationships that are fairly poisonous and negative. And so if you're, you know, number one, you, you just got diagnosed with cancer. Number two, you're dealing with all that and you're trying to say, no, I can, I understand I got a process, but I can become empowered. And then all of a sudden, all you get is this, you know, kind of poisonous influence around you that can just stop you in the middle of where you are because you got enough to deal with and enough to process. And now you got somebody, you know, kind of pouring water on the fire. Um, so, so one of the things, you know, that I tried to do to lay out is just show from just from real life experience with people, where are these places that you can get stopped on the journey? So that where the baby steps stop, uh, other people and influences are huge. The other one is a lot of people may have great people around them, but, but especially in, you know, modern times with our access to every bit of media available in the world, a lot of people are, are, literally addicted to very poisonous negative you know influences like they 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 crave you know bad news and they crave negative stories and they crave all this stuff that stuff doesn't help to push you forward like that does that doesn't feed into anything that's going to be positive for you so um those, those are just examples but that's the kind of things that go on usually we we do we discover about ourselves when we are faced with something very deep and negative like cancer, uh, we, we find out where the potholes are. And unfortunately, those are the places we can get stuck and not, not move forward. Yeah, it's so true, right? If you're looking for the negativity each day and you find it, you know, within your social media or your, your surroundings, right? It, it, it surrounds you, right? And it encompasses you. And it's, it's like your reticular activator, if I'm using it the right term, where like yep. if you pour it, you'll find it, right? It's like, find, oh, I'm going to buy a, um, you know, a Chevy Tahoe that's black. I'm, I'll start seeing them everywhere, right? right. Well, the same thing exactly. Here with this. And when someone does put their mind in the right perspective, or maybe has that, positive reinforcement around them, you know, a, a, a sibling or a significant other, a parent who just really is there instead of saying, oh, well, this could be the end or the worst case scenario. Well, we're going to get through this. How can we do this? What generally do you see? What are, what are some of the transitions that happen at this point? Does it, does it ultimately just disappear or, or go dormant? Or what would have been some of the, the, the most notable signs from having this positivity within yourself and around you? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's always a, a, a spread across uh, people, but there, there's just a few basic things that I've seen if, if, if and when people do get to this place where the internally the, the mind body connection is, you know, as, as centered and as in a good balanced place as possible. And, you know, they have whatever external influences are, you know, their, their medicine as opposed to poison. Um, generally what I have seen is the majority of people have not only, and I don't mean to minimize it, but not only an improvement in their quality of life, which with, with cancer, and there of course are earlier stage cancers that can technically be eradicated, but most cancer you find, and you're treating with people that are, are 
may be metastatic or a little bit further along. So with cancer, your quality of life becomes the biggest core thing to improve. And quality of life includes things, you know, such as your, you know, your mental outlook and how you feel physically and your level of pain and all that. But it also directly affects um, your your biology and the ability of your biology to, um, you know, to minimize or marginalize the cancer. Because most people, you know, anybody with cancer, most of them are normal cells. They're not cancer cells. So the more the normal tissue does, the more the cancer kind of moves to the background. So um, the the biggest group when they hit this place uh, that I see is quality of life improves, um, response to treatment, decrease in pain, all of this other, you know, very important biological uh, factors improve. But then the other thing that goes on is everything you're doing starts working better. And that could be from the inside, your own immune system, the outside medicine, you know, other treatments, et cetera. Um, and in most cases, not only then the quality of life improves, but also uh, the, the length of life. Now, on each side of this that I'm describing, I have also seen people go into remission and stay there. Uh, or stay there for years and years longer than you know they should have with their level of cancer. I've literally seen people who made these decisions and were told in six months you will you'll be dead. You know you won't be here. And uh, they were you know we had one lady where she was 85 when she was told that. We started working with her when she was 85 and a half when they told her she would die, and uh, she lived to be 95 or 96. Um, you know, the, and, and she had just as much cancer inside her body as when she started, but the cancer literally was asleep. It did, it just didn't do anything to her. And I've seen this over and over. And of course there are people who everything's great and their mind body connections great. And they still, you know, the disease takes them over. Um, but what I would always counsel people is, you know, anything can happen, but why not? Uh, why not do what you can with you internally in, in your mind-body connection uh, and take advantage of, you know, of anything that can offer you, which generally is very positive. Wow, this is fascinating. And I, I really appreciate your time today. We, we could talk about this in many different ways for hours. And I just really, I, I love the effect of just how we can, we, we seem like we think we have so little control in our lives, yet we, we can impact our lives in so many different ways by just showing up in a certain way each day. And I'm, I'm excited to take a look and read the book here for people that are trying to uh, find a book, Cancer, The Journey from Diagnosis to Empowerment. Where, where is the best place to find it? So uh, any, any online place, uh, Amazon certainly has it uh, as both a paper version and Kindle. Uh, we've finished the produ production on the audiobook, so it'll be on Audible and all the all the audio outlets uh, in uh, January uh, 2021. Um, so, you know, pretty much anywhere you would get books. That's incredible, Dr. Anderson. Thank you so much for today. This is uh, really just eye-opening, but but does set the narrative for for what you can do when you set your mind to it. Thank you so much. It's been fun. All right, for everyone listening, you heard it here today. Your path forward, you have so many different opportunities to, to impact that by just showing up, having the right mind, and really putting forth 
the proper amount of effort into your life and to the way you show up and do things. So Dr. Anderson, thank you. It was a great guest and look forward to talking shortly. Thank you so much. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal in just a few days? We are breaking down our entire process step-by-step at a three-day event happening June 10th through the 12th called, you guessed it, Multifamily Live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch. But spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.